Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, well-adjusting listeners. I want to take a minute to introduce you to a new show that I have been completely getting into lately called Mina AF. It is hosted by Mina Starziak-Hawk, who you may know as the host of HGTV's Good Bones. Oh my God, I love that show. Anyway, as you all know from listening to Well Adjusting, we really love getting into the nitty gritty of things that people are grappling with in their lives. And if you love that about our show, I am telling you, you're going to love Mina's show too. Now, Mina is not afraid to ask uncomfortable questions, and she does not shy away from talking about the things that we can sometimes be embarrassed to, you know, feel or think. I'm talking about getting plastic surgery to managing grief and everything in between. You are going to hear from guests, including Ashley Flowers of Crime Junkies, health coach Erica Fitlove, Mina's husband, Stephen Hawk. And from listeners like you who can send in your questions to be answered by Mina on the show. Now, in the episode that you are about to hear, Mina chats with Ashley Flowers, who she refers to as the Michael Jordan of podcasting. The GOAT. Okay, yeah, no, I should I should not have done that. We all know it. Let's just move on. Anyway, they talk about balancing motherhood and work, and it is such an incredible conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, while you're at it, why don't you listen to Mina AF wherever you get your pods? Follow it, rate it, and review it. But also make sure you do that for well-adjusting. I'm just saying, everybody. Okay, great. Thanks. Good day. I'm Mina Starziak-Hawk, and this is Mina AF, where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything. Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants? You're both boss moms, and I'd love to know the story of how you met. Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better. You guys, I am super excited, so excited today for our guest. Also completely terrified because... Not only is she like incredibly beautiful and incredibly smart, she is, I believe, been coined the queen of crime podcast. I think you're probably just the queen of podcasting, <laughs> but we have the amazing and talented Ashley Flowers. Hello. I'm so excited and I'm stress sweating. I was telling Steve last night, um, I was like, okay, I'm actually recording with Ashley tomorrow and I'm super nervous. He's like, why are you nervous? You guys are friends. And I was like, well, I think that's strange too because like and this is the one that I'm like an interview that I'm like actually the most comfortable with because I'm like oh I can like Mina's cool I can trust her there's not gonna be any like wild things I have like press PTSD and I'm like (laughs) I'm down to just like hang (laughs) he was like it's fine I was like no she's like she literally is Michael Jordan of podcasting like that is the thing and I was like if we were building houses sure but you know it's 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 we're not we're not we're podcasting to be fair, I think there isn't a single podcaster out there who listens to like their first episodes and are like, yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. I Nailed it. I, I literally, like since I've recorded our first episodes, have never gone back because I, I think I would cry. I would like want to claw my <laughs> eyes out. I would want to hide under the table. So that is like you even, uh, your, your episodes are going to be great, but you are still going to hate them no matter what. <laughs> well, I bought Steve the fan club membership. Which he didn't need because he's up to date and he's already seen everything. I bought it like two Christmases ago, but I've been using it and I listen to you Mm -hmm. uh, when I work out in the morning and when I get my massage, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which is 
not weird at all. But I went all the way back to the beginning, and that's where I started. Oh, so God. I have been listening to all these episodes <laughs> that are old where you're, like, swearing you're never going to have children, and it's you're probably, favorite. you know, like, five years old, um, <laughs> and and they're amazing. I always tell people the old episodes. What I love is with ads or, or with um, podcasting, the ads are dynamic. So, like, current ads go in old episodes. And so I'm always waiting for the person who gets the ad where I'm like, F kids, I'm never having kids. And I cu- <laughs> cut to a Pampers ad. <laughs> Exactly. And they're like, wait, exactly. what happened? Yes. And we are definitely going to talk about the momness that you are now. But let's kick off with a question from the mailbox. This first one is from Amy. Hey there. Thank you for allowing us to ask questions. So I'm very excited to see the two of you ladies together because you're both two very badass, self made boss moms. And I'd love to know the story of how you met. Our meet cute story, uh, Steve is going to be so mad that so he's mad. not here because he doesn't think I tell it right and he doesn't like the way that you tell it or I tell it. But the the short story is that he catfished you. A thousand percent. Yes. So on your end, I think in all fairness, Steve is a huge crime junkie mm-hmm. fan as are all sane humans. And he's like telling me about it and he's like, she's in indie, Mina. Like, how is this not a thing? Like, you've got to, you've got to figure this out. You've got to meet her. We need to be friends with them. And Steve also says that to me about David Beckham. So, you know, there's only so much I can do. But he was he was not wrong. Uh, it was strange that we hadn't crossed paths yet. Yeah. So I sent you the first message on Instagram. And I think both of our better halves are better at that kind of communication than we are. Oh, 100%. I am terrible at follow-up. And so I'll like be like, yes. yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll reply. And then life gets busy. Also, my DMs are a black hole. And it's like yes. a miracle I saw yours to begin with. It is. It is. I got the check mark, which is helpful. Yeah. Well, what's also important to note, though, is I think at the time you guys were reaching out, COVID happened. So that like delayed any like getting yes. it together. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So that's where things I think kind of like dropped off for a while is because the world shut down. And then we eventually did get together for like a double date. We Mm -hmm. double date at Geraldine's in Indy, like our favorite date spot. so good. But Steve was not happy with my follow-up. So I had sent the message. I think you had responded maybe. God, I wonder if I even still have those. But – Steve took um, took over my Instagram account and continued this conversation as you as me. Yeah, he didn't say it was him for sure. <laughs> no, as he would have wanted me to be following up in a more appropriate manner. Yeah. Um, and I believe I kind of like I think I knew he was because I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm a hot mess. Do whatever you need to do. Figure out figure out a dinner date. Um, so he, you know, he catfished you thinking that uh, you were chatting with me. Hell, maybe he was chatting with Eric. Who knows? Well, and I'm like shocked. Eric was so down to meet like. It is so hard to make new friends as an adult. And Dating I remember as an adult. I remember us being so nervous. We're like, we haven't like go- we're going on a double date with someone we've never met. Like this could be uh-huh. totally weird. Also, for uh-huh. some reason, I wasn't like super familiar with your personal life. I remember telling you I thought that you were like really religious and had like seven kids, which I was like, <laughs> again, this is pre-Joe. I was like, I just don't know that her and I have a lot in common, but like, let's go get dinner. <laughs> I would not have accepted the date if I thought that I was who you thought I was. But yeah, so we were we were really nervous going in just because we were like, we don't know anything. What if we have nothing to talk about? But I was shocked. My husband usually like steers clear of this kind of stuff. And he was like all in. Oh my gosh. Steve's the same way. And I was stress wedding. Oh, we were instant best friends though. Dinner was amazing. We went back to your house afterwards. Like if it w- truly was a first date, like we closed the deal. Oh yeah. I mean like if, yes, we we definitely, you know, uh, there there would have been sexy time if uh, <laughs> it was an actual date. But I think Frank got all the sexy time because oh. we did. We had an amazing dinner. Probably, I, I think I'd have probably had like two Manhattans before you guys even got there because I was so nervous. And Geraldine's is amazing, but mm-hmm. the upstairs is not as the vibe is not the same. It's, it's the vibe's not the same. And we were like the only table up there. So yeah. it's just like us on, under a microscope. Anywho, it went out well. We went back to the house. And then if Steve and I hadn't sealed the deal, Frank sealed it 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Frank, your 300 pound dog, was just sitting on my husband's lap the entire night. <laughs> The whole night. The whole night. It was incredible. So that and that was kind of the beginning of what all jokes aside has turned into a really great friendship. Um, I mean, we your friend, like your group of friends that we I feel like 
we're kind of in 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 all the little circles together now. We do events together and it's been really nice because it is hard to make friends as adults. So hard. And it's so nice having somebody who's you know, now you're in podcasting. Now we're in the same industry, but having somebody who is just like in media. Yeah. Because it's weird. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of those friends, but it's especially weird being in media in Indiana because yeah. that just is not a thing. No. <laughs> we're trying no, to make it it's a thing, not. But And I mean, I think um, some of my other like female friends that I'm closest with, like Adrian, who owns the wedding studio, like being a woman, owning a business, and, mm-hmm. and now particularly like you're a mom now, it's just, it is a whole different beast. And if you're not, if you're not in it, it's kind of hard to get like what we actually do all day mm-hmm. and like the stress is like, oh, you get to sit in a booth and record. But I don't – I think sometimes it's like you, you you have to be on. Yeah. You have to be on for so many things. And that can be very um, draining like emotionally and, and physically and mentally. So we'll get to that. But I so want to talk about your upbringing um, <laughs> because it is – we've joked um, about that, you know, you grew up in a cult. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of hear the big story for everyone that doesn't know – um, you were raised like very strict and religious. Yeah. So we joke that it was a cult. Um, technically, I think they called themselves non-denominational. I don't know what that meant to them. I think it was borderline like evangelical Christian is really the closest thing I can find to to compare. And it's how Brit and I know each other. And tr- truly, there was a lot of good that came from that. I I had a happy childhood, really you know tight friendships. My dad worked for the church. So we actually lived in what's called a parsonage, which is a house owned by the church. It was on the church property. So literally, I lived in this bubble. And I think that's why I call it a cult is like everyone I knew was from the church. I went to school. I was either homeschooled for a while or I went to the school at the church. We had to go to church three times a week. Like there was no life outside of church. I remember even when being younger, um, because we went to church so much and hearing about people who would like get to sleep in on Sunday. And I remember thinking that was like such a small portion of the population. Like you (laughs) you think you're the majority. And I just couldn't imagine a world outside. But it was it was really strict. Like so I I could not watch like read, watch whatever, you know, Harry Potter and weird things like Furbies were a no go. Cabbage Patch Kids (laughs) were a no go. Like things that my mom can't even explain why now. But like, yeah. Um, it's oh like my the God. gateway gateway toy to all the sins. My mom is going to kill me. Because full disclosure, like, my whole family's cool now. Like, we got out of the cult. Oh, my gosh. You're fi- I would never, never be like, oh, yeah, no, you were super religious and strict. My mom's going to kill me for telling the story because she's mortified every time I bring it up. <laughs> I, I think I was in fifth grade, and I was wearing these overalls. And it was cool to, like, have one of the shoulders, like, undone. What a hussy. And that's what my mom thought. <laughs> she, she, she was like... Absolutely not. And she's like, do you know why they do that, Ashley? And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. She's like, it's so they can get undressed faster to have sex. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm pretty sure no. But also, like, I'm also going to church right now and then to my church school and, like, nothing's happening. Yeah. It brings it back to something I think I'm most resentful for about, like, how we grew up is the way – young girls and women were looked at. Like when I look back at the things that were being told to us, um, we would go to like these summer camps and we had to wear one pieces with T-shirts over them because we couldn't distract the boys. Like the boys, there was no conversations with them about like. Meanwhile, they're in like running around in banana hammocks and shit. Well, yeah. And there's no conversation (laughs) with them about like being appropriate or or how to manage their hormones or not looking at us. It was like, we just have to not distract them. And every story yeah. you read, it was always the woman who was a man's downfall. And yeah. there was a lot of shame on women and your sexuality. And I remember so many conversations around purity because they would say, you know, once you once you give that away, you're not really worth anything to your husband. And again, guy, I don't, I don't think the boys were getting much of that conversation. Maybe no, so. No, no. But it, they they made everything seem like your worth was your virginity, mm-hmm. um, which is just absolutely bonkers to me. Um, and everything so much, even outside of that, I think the reason I am so far removed from that today is it wasn't about what what they preached was love and acceptance and and Jesus and giving but when you actually 
looked at what they were doing, it was more about judgment, us versus them. Um, and they, so it was really saying one thing and doing another. And it was, it yeah. was, I feel like people still making the mistakes and being human, but instead of realizing that we all do that and how do we become better people, it was about putting on a front. There was a lot of lies, a lot of secrecy. Eventually, the church fell apart, I think, because of all the secrets and the lies. And that everything. was my question, um, because I don't know if we've ever really talked about, like, the transition out of that mm-hmm. lifestyle, because your parents aren't in it now. You're obviously mm-hmm. not. But what happened? Well, yeah. So at some point, this was like this. It was like a mega church, um, And it was started by a man who then passed away, passed it down to his sons. And eventually, I think it was around, like, as I was coming out of middle school and into high school. pretty much righteous gemstones. No, truly. Like... <laughs> so stinking like it's it's a great show I love watching that show but it brings back a lot of memories yeah um right as I was like coming into high school the church really just kind of fell apart like all the brothers went their separate ways the church everyone kind of crumbled they either followed one person or just found like a new church altogether and that's kind of where our family was we found a new church altogether and I think again you get out of the bubble and you start seeing the bubble from a different view. It's like a new normal. Like, yeah. oh, what I thought was normal, there's there's a lot more that falls into that category. Yeah, and there's a lot like again, when you're you're being fed one thing by all these people again and they they have your paycheck, they own your house, like your whole your whole dependency is on them. And so you can only you can't see the forest through the trees and then you get out of that and you really get some perspective, which I think allowed us to to grow and to get better. And, you know, a big part of it for me was even going to college and, and even getting further away from the church, my family, how I grew up, even because everyone around me still grew up the same way. And I think once you go outside and you meet different types of people who live different walks of life, and that's when I really found for myself that, like, I don't care. I don't care what people believe. But like if you're yeah. not if you're not helping people, if you're not loving people for exactly who they are, if you're causing more harm than good, then you're not being a good person. And that's not what I want to associate myself with. So your whole upbringing story is like one murder away from being one of your episodes. I'm truly shocked that nothing more scandalous happened. I keep waiting. There was that like Hillsong documentary that just came out. Yes. I loved it. Oh my but I gosh, keep waiting. So I'm like, where? where's the one about my church? Because like any day now, there's got to be something. The I just listened to one, um, the church, and it was like the whole family that owned it. And the girl got pregnant by her cousin, and she was like 12. Oh, Selena Mays. Selena, yes. I just oh, listened that was a to that episode, episode. And like, that's, I'm having flashbacks. Yeah, that one was wild. Yeah, she's still missing. They have no idea what happened to her. But I, I, I mean, something within that church, someone knows something. Yeah, 100%. So – I mean, obviously, if the church hadn't fallen apart, you probably would be a completely different human. But when your family transitioned out of that church into the new one, what like, what was different about it? What changed that allowed your family to kind of transform into what it is now? I don't know that it was the new church. So because I think that we – because they were – they still believed a lot of the same things, even in this new church. I just think we weren't so deep in it. Like, we went on Sunday mornings, and then – We continued to live our lives. We were forced to meet new people. So when the church broke up, there was no school. I went to a public high school. And so our circle just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that's what's so important. When you're in this tight-knit group and you're all just kind of feeding the same information back to each other, that's truth. And that's the only truth you'll ever know. And I understand why they believe that everyone else is telling lies and that's evil and we hate that. Because all the people you know and trust are saying X and these other, you know, scandalous people are saying Y and having their straps undone on their overalls. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, how far you have come. Oh, my Uh, goodness. Uh, To the most, like, amazing sequent podcasting (laughs) goddess ever. Anytime I do anything with Ashley, you guys, I think to myself, what's Ashley going to wear? And then I immediately know the answer is sequins. (laughs) And then I think about how I don't have enough sequins. And I have four items in my um, collection now that have sequins literally only because I need to be able to have sequins on occasion if I am doing something with Ashley. Well, it, that whole thing started. I I love a sparkle. Like, I just get so excited. And I used to say before my podcasting days, before I owned my own company, that I have more sequin than anyone in Indiana should own. Because I'm, I'm like, where am I going to wear this to? And it, yeah. it was true. It was like building up. And I loved it. It made me so happy. And so finally, one day, once I owned my own company, I was coming into the office that I ran. 
And I was like, why am I waiting for a special occasion? If sequin makes me happy, like I'm going to roll in with my disco pants on. And so that's kind of like where it went. And I'm never afraid of being overdressed. I feel like as long as you're showing up confident and you like love it, who gives a yes. fuck what you're wearing? Like, Well, and it's so funny because, uh, you know, a lot of people the saying like, oh, well, they have a face for radio. I am in my little podcast bubble. I worked out. I put a hat on. I didn't shower. Um, but you like are on point every day and it makes you so happy and I love it. And I'm like, I should, I should really like try a little more because it does make you feel good. Like if you're put together, you feel, feel some kind of way. I do. Don't get me wrong. I have my scrubby days. I I like to tell people I'm either a two or a 10. Like there's <laughs> nothing in between. There's nothing in between. Truly. Like I will either be, it's like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> or it's like, oh you my God. You look really I tired. I yeah. get that a lot. You look so tired. I'm like, well, that don't ever say that to anyone ever again. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely have my scrubby days. But we, we just got a new office. Now I've got 36 people who show up every day. And I do feel like I, you know, I'm the face of this. I'm going to set the tone for what it's yeah. like to be here. And so I'm going to put a, put a little effort in. So, yeah, we just had um, dinner, what, like a week or so ago. And yeah. we're talking about your Christmas party last year compared to your holiday this year and mm-hmm. how much Audio Chuck has grown. Mm-hmm. And it's really super incredible because uh, if we can like back up just a little bit, it wasn't that long ago that you were doing like doctor hospital sales. No, medical sales. I was medical sales sales and then I did software sales before this. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I know I'm sure a lot of people have heard you talk about that you, you know, read Nancy Drew and you were super into crime, which I am interested. Was that allowed in the culty church or was that something that was more developed once you got out of it? No, that like, again, the stuff that was or wasn't there, I swear to God, there was no rhyme or reason. It was just them like, what, how can we control these people? Because, oh, yeah, I was reading Nancy Drew when I was little. I was watching Matlock with my mom when I was like five. So that and maybe so that's that why. stuff was that's so strange. Uh huh. So that stuff is probably why it was some of the only stuff I was allowed to consume that wasn't Christian faith-based. So you just went down that rabbit hole and it became yeah. like a super... Po- I've never I, thought I, about it that way. Maybe that's why I'm obsessed. <laughs> my um, podcasting room, I'm not kidding, is probably nine by nine and Frank's in here with me and he just farted. Oh, It's so bad, it's, like rotten mm. egg. And Chuck does that budge. all the time at right. the office. Everyone's so nice for putting up with him. <laughs> he was in the office. Uh, me and Finley share an office and he did like the downward dog bend oh. with his butt facing her. And she's like, I saw into his soul and it went... <laughs> down his butthole um yes we both love dogs if you guys didn't know Mm. and our doggies are at work with us quite often i think um chuck probably has a much more plush life at your office than frank does but have i shown you his custom-made dog bed in my office is it the one that's like on the window yes yes that's amazing yeah we we made him this dog bed it's like even with the windowsill it has like this cushy top it i took the old sign for my office that said audio chuck i kept the part that just said chuck and put it on the bed he's got these little stairs to climb up he sits there in the sun looking freaking majestic. It's like the thing I'm most proud of. We could do a whole episode about our dogs, I'm sure. So I think what is is really interesting to me, because even before you got pregnant with Joe, um, I had listened to these episodes where you you said frequently, like, would tell a tragic story and like, this is why I'm never having kids. I'm never having kids. I'm never having kids. And now you have Joe, and I'm sure you can't imagine it any other way, but that's got to be hard. Like my mom did um, sex crimes for a long time mm-hmm. and there was a lot of stuff where you saw kids getting uh, neglected, injured, mm. purposefully hurt. And you're like, I don't want to bring anyone into this effed up world. Was mm-hmm. that kind of the thought process because you were so in the thick of all these like horrible things? I mean, it was there was a lot of things. I mean, like the first and foremost is like I just I didn't want it at the time. And I always used to say or or I would a little bit, but I, I used to say that. I want to do everything else I want to do first. So that way, when I have a kid, it's like the last thing that I haven't done that I want more than anything. So I know that that way, when it's really hard, I think it'll be easier to handle because I want it so much. So kind of wanting kids was never enough for me. And I was doing so much with my career that like I, Eric and I were so happy with the two of us. We would look at our friends with kids. It just It didn't see I wasn't going to have kids just because that's what other people did. And so for a long time, that didn't seem like it. Also, there was this part of like what I do. Not that the world is such a bad place. That's a little bit of it. It's it's fucking terrifying. 
But it's like, I feel now that I have her, which is what I was afraid would happen, that I have this huge, gaping, vulnerable spot that Mm -hmm. I didn't have before. Yeah. That, you know, I could worry about myself if something happened to me, like I'm an adult, I can, you know, whatever. But now I just have this crawling, talking vulnerability that's going to walk out into the world that I can't protect 24-7. And it is so stressful. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, and you get to keep her at home most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like once they get into school, I'm like, mm. you you say something mean to my kid, I will well, cut you. I literally, I and I think about this stuff all the time. I've got like such anxiety about life, but I think I was stuck behind a school bus coming out of my neighborhood. Li- this was literally this week, and I remember seeing this little tiny girl with her big old backpack, like getting on the bus, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't think I will. I have to, right? But I don't think I could ever, like, just send my baby into the world and just trust other people to take care of her. Oh, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. Well, there's no right or wrong, right? You have to figure it out for yourself. I think that's so much of parenting because, like, because I'm also afraid of going the other direction where I'm going to, I don't want to be this helicopter parent that, like, oh God, no. because the, the more you try to control them, the more they want to, like, act out and then they do something stupid. Mm-hmm. So I'm just petrified. I want her to stay nine months forever so I can just, like, keep oh. her with me. <laughs> and I know that's not going to happen. No. I am um, – Kelsey, my sister, is eight years younger than me, so a, a pretty decent-sized gap. And when she went away to college, um, it was after uh, there had been, you know, a handful of murders, disappearances at IU. And I – when she went, I – did my best to instill like the the fear of God mm-hmm. in her. I was like, you look like a Barbie doll. People will steal you. Mm-hmm. They will traffic you. They will like, do not let your guard down for a second. I am not Liam Neeson. I will not be able to find you. <laughs> you need to be careful. I, those are the exact words. And I remember like the the scariest, one of the scariest nights because I was kind of like her mom. Because my mom had like, she was like, I raised my kids. I'm good. Like her phone didn't stay on at night. Mine's mm-hmm. always on. So Kelsey would call me a lot of times just drunk. Um, but I got a call from her and I couldn't understand her. It sat, she was crying oh, so no. hard. I couldn't understand what she was saying. And she sounded like she sounded like someone had died. <gasps> and then I finally make out. He made out with another girl at the bar. Also true. And I'm like, okay, okay, are you safe? Are you safe? She's walking home. Her house was probably a 15-minute walk from the bars. And this was at two in the morning. Mm. And she's calling me because this guy she liked was making out with another girl. So she left and is walking home from the bars, mm. which is one of the rules I said. You never go anywhere by yourself. If you go with people, you leave with people. Mm-hmm. Don't go anywhere by yourself. She's walking home. So I said, I'm staying on the phone with you. Do not hang up on me. Stay on the-. And so she's still crying and talking about this boy. And she's like, okay, I got, I got to my house. I'm like, don't hang up. She's fussing with the door. I said, do not hang up. Set the phone down so you have two hands, Mm -hmm. get the door open, go inside, lock it, and then talk to me. And so she sets the phone down, futzing, 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 silence. And I was like, and I'm calling her back. It's going straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail. I'm calling. I only knew one of her roommate's phone numbers, um, and I'm calling her. She's not answering. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, what would Ashley Flowers say? (laughs) This is probably before the podcast, but that's what I would say now. And I'm freaking out because, you know, you never think something bad's going to happen. So I'm like, mm-hmm. she's probably fine. Her phone probably just died. But what if she was snatched and murdered and I didn't call the cops? So I call the cops. They're like, well, whatever. I either called Bloomington Police or IU and they said I had to call the other one. So I'm calling and I'm trying to explain to them where her house is because I didn't know the address, but I could like oh see God. it and explain to them how to get there. And so they're at one house and no one's answering. The lights are off. I'm like, I don't think that's it. Try going a little further south. They find her house. This B-I-T-C-H. I, I think I think her phone had died just at the most terrifying time. But so the cops go and they go in and it's, it's seven girls that live in this house. They're all just shammered, oh my passed God. out. One of them, like while the cops are trying to shake them to figure out which tiny blonde <laughs> is my sister and make sure she's alive, falls out of bed, like cuts her head open. And they couldn't get Kelsey to wake up. But they locate her. They the, A roommate says, this is Kelsey. And I'm like, okay, thank you guys so much oh for God. checking and making sure she's alive. I promise you this will be a conversation tomorrow. 
And uh, I mean, it was, I was like, Kelsey, come on. Well, I mean, what's so frustrating is I did all that dumb stuff too. Me too. And I, it's because you, you think you're invincible. You think you're invincible. And now being on the other end of it, yes, I'm a parent, but like, I feel like I got parenty before this because of the podcast and everything. Yes. You just want to shake people. And I don't know why I couldn't understand it. Cause I, again, I, it's not like I was new to crime. I don't know why I thought I was immune to it. I don't know why everyone thinks they're immune to it. But it it makes me lose my mind, yeah. Because like you don't know how to get get it through to people that you're so vulnerable. Well, and I think particularly people like who are very successful or you know amazing entrepreneurs, like you, you for example, you have to have a certain sense of self where you're like, I can do this. Like I am invincible to be able to do all these amazing, successful things, but also balancing it with, yeah, no, I could be murdered tomorrow or whatever mm-hmm. your vulnerability is and how how that plays out in your life. Because if you're, you know, if I was scared of everything all the time, then we're not going to take these chances. Maybe yeah. Audio Chuck doesn't exist or Two Chicks and a Hammer doesn't. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not trying to get killed. Mm. <laughs> it's this weird, weird balance. And I think what that kind of – it changed – I think it changed for you, like you said, when you were more um, in the know of all the all these terrible things that were going on. A lot of your episodes are in Indiana, mm-hmm. where we live, or, you know, in the Midwest, in towns where the people would say, you know, we never thought this was going to happen here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But for me specifically, it changed, I think, after having kids even more, which I'm sure it did more for you mm-hmm. because now, like you said, you are responsible for this other life. Yeah. Again, I've got, I just – there's – this huge vulnerability that I, though I do have control over it, I feel such a lack of control. Yeah. Because um, there is only so much you can do as as your kids get older. And they're, and if, if you do your job right, they go out into the world and they don't need you. But I just want to hover over her forever. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's more socially acceptable by the time our children go off to college to have like a tracking chip in them. Ideally. I really hope that. Ideally. I would put one in me to, today. Track me. <laughs> if I get stolen, I want you to be able to come find me. Same. Um, and I, what I would always tell Kelsey, I said, if someone takes you, do the best you can to retain your phone and hide it so they don't take it. Because mm-hmm. once we know you're gone, then we can at least – like I was very specific about my directions for survival in college. Oh, yeah. I'm like – well, even now we went on like this reporting trip literally last week and we were like knocking on suspects' doors. And I'm like, okay, so I've got my cell phone, but I'm going to like hide my Apple Watch like underneath my thing. So if something happens and they were to take my phone, I at least like have yes. my Apple Watch that I can call. Like I was – yeah. I So was going messed down up. It is. It is messed up. But it, it, this is the life I That's live. hilarious. So I want to talk about, because I imagine you are probably starting to get more of the question, but, you know, my oldest is four and people ask all the time how I balance motherhood and work. And A, it ticks Steve off to no end because he's like, oh, yeah, what am I, just a bump on a log over here? Like, no one asks dads that. So obviously that bigger conversation about motherhood and how different it looks for everyone mm-hmm. and kind of how you've experienced that. and like the social element of that, like what people think. I know I get all these keyboard warriors that are like, oh, you don't cook dinner for your family every night? And I'm like, heck no, I don't. I'm doing other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I So I, it is balanced a little bit. I I don't know how I do it because I, I get a lot of the great fan feedback. Well, it's also because we've got fan engagement specialists. So like that was – we have a whole team that literally makes sure people's rep- – like. DMs get replied to, that their emails get replied to. And my and the good stuff, I do get to see all of it. Like our team funnels it to me. But what they have helped me to do is funnel out the shit because everyone's got yeah. an opinion about what I'm doing. And to be very honest, I don't care. Like what yeah. I care about is people who want to like help me learn and grow as a person. Again, listening to our old episodes, there's language that we've changed. And like that stuff I'm all about, like help me help me do better because I have such a big platform. The best example I can think of is like when I had Joe, um, after I think it was like two or three weeks, like I needed to go to the office 
not because I needed to do work, but because I was having such a hard time being a mom, a new mom. I had postpartum depression. I wasn't bonding with her right away. I felt like something was wrong with me. And so day in and day out, not only do I have this crazy hormone thing going on, I don't look like myself still. I've got this new baby. I've never been a parent before. I feel like I'm failing Monday through Friday, eight to five. And so three weeks in, I was like, let me do let me do something I'm good at. at. Yeah. Like I want to go back to feeling like I know what I'm doing and feeling valuable and give me four hours and then I'll come home. I'll be refreshed. I remember getting this DM and it was like, I never respond to shit, but it was the one that I had to because I was You're like, you son of a bitch. You're getting it. So fucking mad. I think this person was saying like, you're setting a bad example for other moms who who think that they have to be rushed back to work. And I'm like, I'm not telling people to get back to work at eight weeks. What I'm saying is this is what I'm doing because this is what I needed. And if I would have stayed at home every day, I would have had nothing to give to Joe. I would have been sad. I would have been even more depressed. And I can't raise a happy baby if I'm miserable. So there, there is a lot of, of that. And it is, it is, I think, harder as a woman to go back to work because I told Eric, I was like, he's a fantastic partner. But I told him, even if we share everything 50-50, even if you do half the diapers, half the bottles, half the everything. It will never be even because the night that we got to go away for Eric's birthday, he got to sleep through the night for the first time. I still had to get up and pump. Yeah. I my body is still physically healing. I'm I'm doing all the stuff he's doing while I just pushed out a baby and like my cooch is sewn up and I'm like bleeding. <laughs> and like you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, so it's net like it is harder. So Part of me understands a little bit why there's this question, at least early on, about going back to work and is it hard? Maybe they mean something shitty by it, but it is. We do way more of the work. I put it in perspective like this and people are like, oh, you had you guys you had a kid. I'm like, it's like if we like knitted a blanket like, yeah, Eric went to the store and picked out the yarn with me. But like I knitted the fucking blanket. (laughs) So there, there is that piece where I think it's harder. But like, yeah, once, you know, once they're older, like right now talking about like a work-life balance seems to only be about me. But I'm like, yo, I got Eric too. Eric comes into the office the same as I do. Why why is that different? And I think it's just these traditional gender roles. But Eric, Eric actually, for the first six months, stayed home with her. And I like, I bless him for it. It drove him ended up driving crazy. We He had to go back to work. Well, I think that's an amazing thing if you have the opportunity to do, even if it's, you know, if you have Again, the whole idea of leave for moms versus dads mm-hmm. is wild, and we don't need to jump into that. But even if you could do it for two weeks, mm-hmm. I think it is this huge appreciation for not only the moms, but even like we both have nannies, mm-hmm. and their jobs are incredible, mm-hmm. and they spend more time with the kids during the day, mm-hmm. obviously, than I do. And I think you know there are a lot of feelings about that, like someone else is raising my children, but I know myself, mm-hmm. and if I were to stay home with them every day. Um, it would not be no. good. I would not be, I would be a shell of myself and I would have nothing to give to That's them. what I'm saying. And I, and like, I look at my mom who thrived as a stay-at-home mom, like, and, yeah. and truly hardest fucking job in the world, but she loved it. Yeah. And it, it comes so easily to her. And so, so yeah. being home brought her so much joy. She felt so fulfilled. But to your point, I'm the same way. I knew that if I had to stay home with her, that it would feel like I had to, right? Not that I got to. And it would yeah. be the same way. I I can't, you can't give from an empty cup is what they say. I need to fill my yeah. own cup before I can do it for her. And so that way I can be a bomb-ass mom, morning, evenings, weekends, holidays, trips. I can give her so much attention and be so excited and invest in her so fully because I'm investing in myself as well. Yeah, there's just... I mean, even in my relationship with Steve, we've had conversations about, I think, kind of this general expectation about wanting, like, okay, you should want to be at home all the time with us, with the kids, with dad. I get a lot of joy from work. And I think because he was raised so differently, his mom, you know, had dinner on the table every night at six and was very, like, the typical traditional family, whereas mine was very different. You know, my parents divorced when I was three. I had nannies. Uh, like, and I don't know if my parents ever took me to school. Um and so I'm just used to something different. But so even for him, it's a challenge when 
I own my own company. And so in his mind, okay, you could be home at 4 or 4.30 or 5. Like, why do you come home at 5.15? And so we've had the conversation about, like, you have your things. I have my things. And I need you not to project that on me because the time I have with the kids, I cherish Mm -hmm. and I love and I feel like it's quality. I get 25 minutes with Jack on the way to school every morning, and it is the most amazing 25 minutes of my day. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to start it. And, you know, if I stayed home, we could have that same conversation for eight hours (laughs) and it would bring even less joy because we'd have it for eight (laughs) hours. But, you know, so it's this – even that internal – I guess judgment seems kind of harsh, but dialogue Mm -hmm. in our own relationship about how I should feel or want to feel or I should be expected to interact as a mom. And because things are changing, but not quickly enough, it is just all these very traditional norms where mom stays at home, dad goes to work. And, you know, you guys obviously have your non-traditional setup. Like you both work full-time. Steve and I both work full-time. And it works for us. And I think a lot of the people who do have those comments and judgments are just because they don't know. They don't know anything different. And it's so easy for people to make those judgments behind a keyboard, whereas if they were to meet you in person or meet me in person, it would be a completely different conversation. No one would say any of this shit to our face. No. No, because it's like we're not humans Mm -hmm. when – they're not in person. I get so many inappropriate like sexual comments. And again, I, I most of them I don't respond to. But what this one guy added, he was like, I'm so sorry. This is so embarrassing. I would never say this to your face. And I responded and I said, just a suggestion for you to roll around in your brain. Maybe interact with people on this social platform like you were talking to their face. Because you are. And I think that will make you feel better about how you are as a human. Ugh. It's just bizarre. Yeah. It's like we're like not real people kind of, I think. But I also kind of get it because Steve's like before we were friends with you, he's like Ashley Flowers and she's on this pedestal and she's perfect and amazing and has a great podcast. And then when you know more, it humanizes people and, you know, we all have these flaws. But why can't we just kind of like give that grace from the beginning? Well, it's – we're circling back a little to one of the big issues I had with the the religious way I grew up. And I think the way I've kind of distilled it as an adult is I felt like there was a lot of judgment for stuff that people didn't know. And, and what I came to find is truly these organizations are filled with a lot of good people because I would mm-hmm. see, you know, as I grew up and, and the church split up and everyone world, everyone's world expanded, I would see people come in contact with someone who before they would cast a lot of judgment on whether they were homosexual, whether they were this, that, whatever, where normally, again, it'd be like, you're going to hell. This is wrong. You have to change. And what I found is that if they actually knew the person, there was so much understanding and love that did eventually grow. So many people that I grew up with have changed their views on so many things because they personally experienced it through someone that they care about. And I think that's what's wrong with the world. And if we can all break this one thing, I think the world becomes a better place, is that I wish people didn't have to experience or understand something to show compassion for something. Compassion or empathy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, to me, it's a, it, like, I don't know why it seems like a wild concept to people, but I, I always feel like I kind of live my life where like, I don't need to understand why I don't need to know somebody who experienced that. Like, again, if what you're doing, like it brings you joy, happiness, you aren't hurting anyone in the world, like, and you're being a good person. Great. You're great in my book. Yeah. Like, and I support you in your life and I like, I have your back, but there it's how people perceive on social media, right? Like, again, if they got to know us face to face, if they lived in our world, if they were in the same situation that we were in, then they would understand Mm -hmm. it and show more compassion. But it's really easy to not put yourself in someone else's shoes. Or again, you don't have to be in my shoes. Just don't be a dick. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it really is that simple. And I think part of the root of the issue is just like the human condition is we're all very like egocentric some people more than others, but 
it, it's hard for you to see like outside of your own experience. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this is how it is and this is how I am and this is how it should be done and this is how it's worked for me. So anything outside of that is wrong or different. And again, just giving people the benefit of the doubt about whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like obviously not you know, the people on your podcast. They don't get the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt anymore. But anyone who's not murdering people, like live and let live. It's all good. Um, I also think, I guess the conversation about – well, like you did this to yourself. Like you put yourself on this platform. You put your life out there for this judgment. You opened, you know, the the doors of social media for this feedback. So don't complain when you get it, which I think is also kind of messed up. Yeah. And I, again, I, what I'm asking for is for the world to be a better place. And it's not going to be. So, yeah. <laughs> so again, I'm talking about like a hypothetical, like la la land. I'm just saying, I think I think the people that also do that are unhappy. And so I think it'd be a yeah. happier world all around if we could do that. I'm not I'm not ridiculous. I know that we're not going to live that, which is why, like, I don't give a fuck what people say about me. <laughs> you don't know how many times I said IDGAF in the recording right before you. <laughs> it was like, well, and because, as I've stated, I don't give a fuck. Uh, yeah. But I also think that's something that you get blessed with as you get older. Yeah, and I'm actually really grateful that I didn't um, – have this platform until I was older. I don't know that I could have yeah. handled it the same way if I came into this in my teens or early 20s. Like we we really took off right around the time I turned 30. And I think I had a really good sense of who I was. I had time mm-hmm. to build all of these relationships in my life with, you know, my husband before this ever happened, with my friends. I still have the same group of friends. And so I think that has been really important. And I I always say this thing like I I care what people I respect think about me. And so yeah. at the end of the day, you know, this the friends that I had all along, you know, if they still think I'm a good person, if they still love me, if my husband still loves me, my family. That's what matters. Yeah. If you were to come to me and be like, Mina, you've been a real see you next Tuesday, like we need to have a conversation, I'd be like, oh crap. Right. Like, I value your opinion. You know me. You, yeah, you know Whereas who I am. Random- you don't know yes. the, the 30 minutes that I was talking about, you know, one case or whatever, or the 30-second yes. social media thing I did that is a fraction of my life. You know me inside and out. You know my circle, my what all of it. Yeah, that that's what matters. Yes. And like, and so yeah. I can't give energy to every bad comment for people who don't who don't know me, my intentions. Well, and I think one of the things that has been kind of a hot button for crime podcasts in general that Audio Chuck, Crime Junkie, like everything you make does a really incredible job of is not sensationalizing this stuff. Mm. So while you are telling, like the story is the vehicle to get something like bigger across. Mm -hmm. You're telling an interesting story so people will listen. And care. But you focus so much more on the victims and so much more on the advocacy that your platform created. I mean, the amount of money you guys raise, the amount of cases that are solved, because there are all these crime junkies Mm -hmm. that are thousand percent obsessed with the podcast and literally everything you make. You could be like, this podcast is going to be about my last 10 bowel movements. And people would love (laughs) it. Number one. But they would probably learn a lot about their bowels. (laughs) For me, I think you guys do it in an incredible way and so much good comes from it that some people also don't understand. I mean, again, the we have one star reviews like out the wazoo, like and and that's where again in my life I treat my work the same way. Is I know that the the people that I work with every day res- understand what I'm doing, respect what I'm doing. They think I'm doing a good job. They don't have a problem with me. The any law enforcement I work with, any all the victims' families we worked with appreciate what we're doing. And so in my mind, like then I'm doing it right. If if the people I'm talking about in the podcast are happy with what I'm doing, that's how I'm doing it right. Everyone, mm-hmm. someone else who listens who has no connection to this, appreciate your opinion. Thank you. But but again, I'm answering to the victim's family. Yeah. So we had a question in the mailbox from Beth. Hi, Mina and Ashley. Uh, this is Beth from Indy. I love you both so much. I'm so excited to listen to this episode. Um, you guys are both hometown heroes, and I'm so proud of both of you. My question, other than um, can I be your third bestie? is can we talk about money? Like, how are you guys investing? How are you thinking about the future? How are you taking 
you know, charge of investing and planning ahead for the future. I'm just, you know, I'm really interested in investing and you guys are both incredibly successful. So I'd love to hear how you are investing and how you're thinking about the future. Love you both. Oh, thank you so much. Um, That is a great question, Beth. Obviously, you know, humans are fickle and my show could be gone tomorrow and everyone could decide Mm. that they hate true crime, which won't happen tomorrow. So like, what are the things that you've done to create um, like financial security where you're going to be able to do what you want with your family for the next 50 years? Yeah, for me, it's been a lot of things, especially as like I've, I've grown and things have changed. A big part of what I've always done is had no debt yeah. because what I've told Eric is, you know, again, because I wanted to keep reinvesting in the company. And he's like, well, what if then we have nothing to fall back on? I'm like, yeah, but he he always had his job. I was like, I know what I'm confident in is I've been good at every job that I've had. And I know if podcasting blows up, if Ashley Flowers brand blows up, I could go get a job in medical sales tomorrow. Like I so yeah. I can always go back to that. I also don't live an extravagant lifestyle. So I can I can go right back to living on $60,000 a year and be perfectly happy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there was that early on where it's like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's let's just make sure if it goes away that I don't owe anyone anything. He's Frank, okay? Sorry, Frank's being a bugaboo <laughs> whining over here. I don't know if you guys can I hear, can't him. hear him. I, I think that makes really good sense. And I think probably similar. I mean, mine is my financial insecurities are far more deep-seated because my parents like, you know, spent all their money on their divorce and money was a control mechanism. Mm. Um, so even when, as soon as I could drive in high school, I got a job. So I had my own money. So it couldn't be like, oh, well, you can have mm-hmm. money for this if you do this, if you get good grades, if you whatever. So from a very early age, I wanted financial independence. And I'm sure you and Eric had the conversation. Um, when when Steve and I got engaged, we're getting married. I always am very clear, like, this has nothing to do with you. This is my own Mm -hmm. issue and it's now going to affect you. I will always have my own checking account. Mm -hmm. I will always. Um, And I think because I will always have my own, like you should have yours. And then we have a shared um, credit card that like groceries go Mm -hmm. on and the kids swim classes and things like that. But I think that very early on was important to me and saving and investing um, because even, you know, my dad, he's 76. He's still working. I don't know when he's going to be able to retire because he didn't have the ability, opportunity, desire, whatever it was to be able to save as much yeah. as he wanted. So I started mine, my business as well with no debt. Kind of not by choice. No one would loan me money. <laughs> right. um, so same. I, like, I didn't it, even ask for a loan because I'm like, hi, I'm in software sales, but I'm thinking about starting this media empire out of Indianapolis. I don't think anyone would write yeah. me a check. <laughs> it's going to be great. Can I have like 500000 A few years in, I did ask. Uh, asked and answered no several times. I actually just got our company got an equity line to be able to like fund the bill for some of the renovations like two years oh my ago. God. <laughs> but still, I mean, I have my own savings account, mm-hmm. uh, my own checking account. We have rental properties that are long-term mm-hmm. investment, but I think just being very realistic about balancing it and for everything in life, uh, my kind of, it's hope for the best, plan for the worst. So, That's, you know, Steve. Girl, I've been saying that yes. forever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I so, would. No matter what it is in, you know, your marriage, hope for the best, plan for the worst, in your career change. I, I used to always say, I say it a little differently. I would always say I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than horribly disappointed. <laughs> it, yes. So. That is, that has a nicer ring to it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, now you know, now that there's actually money coming in. It is for me about about putting some of that away for my family, but also for my work family. Like, that's how I think of, of everyone here. And I, in my mind, I take it really seriously that these people left, like, corporate jobs and took a chance on me. And, you know, now this is an established company. But part of what I, you know, if podcasting blew up tomorrow, I have made sure that I've got enough to, like, float everyone for six months, that I'm not just going to tell someone, you're done tomorrow. Like, I give them some runway. That's incredible. I mean, and that's one of the, the big fears I have um, because my my company doesn't really make a lot of money. We actually probably lost money last year. But thinking about the responsibility yeah. that we both have that we employ, we employ other people. There are families that rely on me. It's one of the things that like actually stresses me out the, the most 100%. is that like everything I'm doing – 
with a business. It's not just like, oh, hope this works out. Like it has to work out because I have all, I have husbands and wives and I, we have such a young team. They're having kids. And I'm like, God, yeah. this has to work. <laughs> this has to work. I mean, there's definitely days. They've probably been a hundred days in the last eight years of the show where I'm like, I'm done. This is too mm -hmm. hard. This is too stressful. Like I, I don't need to be doing this to myself, making myself crazy. And then the immediate next thought in my brain is, okay, this doesn't just affect me. This is, affects all my employees. It mm -hmm. affects the entire production team who, yes, they could probably go get other jobs. It affects income for the state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, <laughs> I know. it's a lot bigger than just like, okay, Steve's quitting his job and they'll replace him. He'll be hard to replace because he's really good at it, but he's in sales and, you know, it, it's, it's stupid. Mm -hmm. That's what it, it is. is. Stressful. It's, it's so stressful. I have a lot of tummy aches. <laughs> I want to ask you this. This is kind of changing the topic, but it was something we talked about early on in our courtship of friendship um, because the last name situation. I mean, obviously your name is just epic and and well-known. I had the show and a little bit of you know name recognition before Steve mm -hmm. and I got married, and it was very important to Steve that I took his last name. I do GAF at all, other than the fact that it's a pain in the butt to change your yeah, name. Really. Like the things you have to go through. Yeah. Um, and and I did. I went through the process and I actually dropped my middle name and made my middle name Starziak. Yeah. So now I'm Mina Starziak Hawk. But I know it was a conversation for you guys too. So I want I want you to talk Ooh, about that. Yeah, a painful conversation. Um oh no, our 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 uh, husbands, you guys, have lamented many mm -hmm. a days over. Um, how obnoxious Ashley and I are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> about um, how, you know, how famous we are and all the things that go along with it. Well, so so that was my plan. And to Eric's defense, like I there is a was a frustration early on because the plan was for me to change my name and everything that we talked about. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make flowers my middle name. Um, take your last name. And then as like as I got closer and closer, then I did start doing the business stuff. And but there was something inside of me that like hurt, like when I thought about not being like that. I, you have to give that not up. being Ashley Flowers. Yeah, and I, I couldn't understand why. And it's so funny. I remember having this conversation with my dad, who of everyone in my family is still like the most traditional. And yeah. um, I was like, I don't understand why. And he's like, Well, like you're you're showing that you're like proud of his family and this. And I was like, But I'm proud of my family too. And like I, we had this whole mm -hmm. argument. It ended with my dad being like. I don't know. I guess it's, it's just the way things are done. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. The minute you say that to me, I'm like, it's over. Yeah. So I, I was having like uh, some struggles with it. I had just set up all the business stuff um, when we got married. And so it just like was one of those things like I wasn't doing, wasn't doing, wasn't doing. And then he was like, so are you ever? And it was right around this time that like it was like a year into our marriage. My parents got divorced after like 31 years of marriage. And so that brought up a whole new set of feelings for me of, like, I, I felt like I was already losing something of my family. I, like, I can't I lose this, too. And it was I was really struggling because I'm like, why does that matter? Like, you fell in love with Ashley Flowers. Why can't I still be Ashley Flowers? Um, mm -hmm. And then so, so then I was like, well, maybe when we have kids down the line, like, we'll all have the same name. So that kind of, like, put it off. And yeah. then Joe came and it was like a whole new set of hurt he and I had to go through. Um, obviously, Joe has his last name. Like I he it was really sweet. I wanted Joe to have a different middle name. He actually wanted her middle name to be Flowers. Um, yeah. So I think she has something from both of us. But and then and then at this point, I have so many LLCs and companies. And, and now it like it, it I still I still love my name for me. But I, I can't imagine the nightmare of having to change everything. But yeah. it really was for me. It's like this is who I am, and if you you wanted me for who I am, who I am is Ashley Flowers. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I don't see why changing that. I'm not any less committed to you. I I don't know. I mean, it's such a bigger, like the meaning it carries for some people. Um, I mean, I've talked about before, like with with Steve when we got married. For me, it's a piece of paper mm -hmm. that I can burn at any second. <laughs> um, I've seen my parents undo it a whole lot of times. <laughs> But for Steve, because the way he was raised, like, it is so much more. Yeah. It is this whole next level of commitment, and you are a ride or die. You will go down the rabbit hole. Like, you are there. And 
not, you know, not that one way, I actually, I would think my parents' way is probably not the right way. <laughs> but as I was going to say, not that one is like more right or more wrong, but we just come from such different mm-hmm. backgrounds and you can't pretend that those things that you were raised with don't exist. Mm-hmm. So I can't just be like, oh yeah, my parents treated marriage like it was a joke, but I'm not going to do that. Like it's deeply ingrained in me that marriage is not a permanent structure. So it does create a lot of of those kind of internal battles and then external conversations with with Steve. For you, I'm interested to know too because I went to – I did your book launch with you and it was so fun. And your fans are diehard. Mm-hmm. Um, my HGTV fans are too. And how does Eric feel, particularly because you're on a, a podcast, which isn't necessarily like a visual medium oftentimes – um, Steve's on the show, so he's got more recognition now. So people will recognize him when we're out together first and then recognize me sometimes. How does it work out for you guys? Does Eric get frustrated that you, you know, you're out on a date dinner or whatever and you have people wanting part of you? Oh, never. Because it because it doesn't happen a ton. And because I yeah. think many people don't know what I look like unless they follow me on social media, which is a small uh-huh. percentage of our listenership. And so honestly, and he has the biggest heart. He is the one who's like, who wants to go above and beyond for fans. And so- He's so nice. Oh, he is the nicest- He's so nice. In the world. So it'll literally sometimes be him who I remember one time he was like walking to the bathroom or something. This might've been when we were at Geraldine's. He was walking (laughs) to the bathroom or something and he's like, those people like at the bar, I heard them talking like they recognize you. You should go up and say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he be, and again, I think if it happened all the time and we were constantly be different being interrupted. Yeah. And truthfully, I think because you have to follow me to know what I look like, people know what Eric looks like. And the dude sticks out like a sore He's thumb. He's giant. They're going to they, see him way before they, they recognize see you. him. Yeah, way before they recognize me. And they're like, I saw Eric and then I saw Chuck. And then I was like, that's got to be her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Does it ever create, I mean, anything beyond a conversation that your audio Chuck, like Eric is gainfully employed, you know, he works for the company now, but he was in accounting, right? Uh, he actually, no, he's a project manager for our, um, like Indianapolis Power and Light. He ran some of their green power initiatives. Okay. But, and now he's on the audio Chuck team. He has been for a while. Mm-hmm. He went and got his MBA in finance and then came to work for us. What a smarty pants. Mm-hmm. Um does it ever create any like conflict or anything where like you audio chuck is the breadwinner? Um yeah, we've had a lot of conversations about like working together and him feeling cuz I, I tell him all the time like yeah, I know I'm the face of this. I'm like the the talent on the show or whatever, but I couldn't have done this without him. Both like yeah. his his financial support here. I don't know shit about numbers. So yeah. like his his knowing about the accounting and making sure everything's done properly and that we're not like hemorrhaging money, like not only is that valuable, but also the support he's given me to do the long hours and the creative stuff, taking those six months that I know were painful for him to be at home with Joe so that I could go back to work. Like I feel like it's a partnership, but I know sometimes for him it has felt like this is my my thing. And, And he has struggled sometimes feeling like he's just living in my world. Yeah. I know, I've noticed that I have to be better with Steve about making sure that like he his his corporate job that he's had since we got married for 11 years, he kept not because he loves it and, you know, is fulfilled by it, but it carried great insurance and mm-hmm. regular income and if anything happened with me or my business, we could live on that mm-hmm. and that's fine. So that's a, you know, kind of not necessarily it's a sacrifice he yeah. made. And so recently when he chose to do something different, I really supported him. Like, you've done this for 10 years. You supported our family in a really nice structured way for this long. Like, now's your opportunity. Um, and I I have to be better about that because I'm not the most emotionally in touch or aware of other people's feelings human. Um, don't know if you've picked that up about me. Well, but, Eric's uh, love language is um, words of affirmation. Yes. Which yeah. is the freaking worst for me. Like, I am <laughs> so bad for someone who talks for a living I'm yes. so bad at like I will think all the wonderful things he looks amazing yes. today he's such a good dad but like getting it to come out of my mouth is such a yes. chore and yeah. so I've been trying to get better at preemptively thanking him because one of the things he said he's like you always tell me what a great job I'm doing and how much I help you when I bring up the fact that I feel like I live in your world yeah and I'm like I think it all the time and so <laughs> you're not inside my brain uh-huh. you can't uh-huh. you can't figure that out yeah 
So, I mean, have you felt like the fame from the show has affected any other areas of your life? I know you mentioned you do you have an amazing friend group. I there's not mm-hmm. a single one of them that I'm like, "Oh, they're annoying." I love them all. Mm-hmm. I love when we get to hang out with them all. Um and you had them before the show. And I think that is super beneficial like, you know, hashtag no new friends. But things get weird when you get some fame, right? I mean, obviously, we catfished you. Yeah, you catfished. I I, I was saying, I think you're my only, like, new friend. I (laughs) So much hasn't changed. Again, I think it's because I'm in this Indiana bubble. Like, I've gotten, like, you know, DM'd or connected with, like, celebrities who are fans of the show. And, like, you know, there's a world where if I live by them, maybe we're getting drinks or whatever. But, like, I'm Mm -hmm. still down the street from the people I've been friends with for 10 plus years. So I'm still playing cards on Friday nights with those people. We're still doing Christmas parties together. So not nothing has changed. You actually posted something earlier this week with the friend group and I had FOMO. I was like, oh, I miss them. I haven't seen oh, them. So- we need, yeah, we need to all do something. Yeah, we did like a friends give miss and we did like Giving a white thing. Yeah. yeah, we did like yeah. a white elephant for Christmas and it was so fun. But it's even harder now once you have kids too to figure that out because oh. like my kids nap at different times than your kid and I mean, Joe goes to sleep at like six, which is incredible. It's unreal. But it's just, it's a whole nother element to an already incredibly busy life um, that you have to be super purposeful about. And I think particularly our better halves are good at that. Mm -hmm. And um, we have our, we have a group text that's called Ashley Fresh Flowers. I don't remember why. It's called Fresh Snacks. So called Fresh Snacks. Oh, it's Ashley, it's Fresh Snacks. Yeah, because, so we used to have an, an old uh, chat that was just called Snacks. Yes. Um, because... And you got a new number. Yeah, because my husband was constantly talking about, like, well, what, what's our snack going to be? Like, what are we going to snack on? What are we gonna, and so we called the group chat Snacks, and then I got a new number, and I, I was and like, you guys fresh. got... I was like, you guys got to stop texting the other one. That goes to my assistant now. And so we're like, Fresh Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our group chat, and often it's just our husbands talking back and forth. Because, yeah, they, it's, they have so much time. <laughs> And I'm sure they're going to be annoyed with us. Like, you guys will, make it sound like we don't work at I'll all. I'll get in there, and it's like you have 25 missed text messages. And sometimes yes. I'm like, Eric, just tell me what happened. I can't even. I do. I do that, too. <laughs> Steve has – we have a couple of text groups like that. It's with you guys, with Luke Rhodes and his wife. Um, he's our long snap for the Colts. And that group text is called Quadzilla because he has the best quads mm-hmm, in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, the the husbands will just go down the rabbit hole. And, you know, the, the summary is always interesting. So yeah. that's great. But – you know, it's been it's been super fun, and I have I, I mean I've thanked you um, in every email I send, but like ad nauseum for this podcast, like having you as a sounding board has been huge because Good. my show's not going to last forever. You know, again, people are very fickle, and the network is changing all the time. So figuring out a platform that can be sustainable and a way where I can really my goal was to be able to take what I do on Instagram and then just expand on it because I have been able to, you know, be comfortable talking about a lot of these things that other people aren't. So while nothing in our episode is particularly uncomfortable, other than, you know, maybe some money stuff, that's that's my hope on this. And Ashley's been a huge help from the beginning. Um, And so I'm super excited to have you on in chat. And I'm glad that we were able to make some time outside of- Me too. That is, you know, it still works. So I guess it counts, but- this is fun work. I can't believe this is my job. I like, know. This is wild. I want to learn so much. There's so many things that I want to talk about on the podcast. So that's that's really what I'm hoping is to get all these really cool, interesting people on to talk about weird, interesting things and, you know. It's going to be so fun. Learn stuff. It's going to be fun. So thank you for being part of it and helping. Thank you. And thank you guys all for listening. I really appreciate it. Do not forget, uh, if you guys want to drop a question, we've got the link in the show notes with the voice box. Leave your question. We will answer it. And do not forget to subscribe. Bye.